0: Just reach out to your neighbor and tell them God loves you. Tell them he loves you unconditionally. Man, today is one of the greatest days to ever preach. It's one of the... Because it's, it's, it's the day where, you know, almost everyone in the world is preaching the good news, at least. You know, as a preacher, you can, you can, you can go out, but not too much on a day like today. Because it's strictly about Jesus. Amen? So why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high. Shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will hear from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the story starts in the garden, you know, with a gentleman called Adam. You remember the story? God looked at him and he said it wasn't good for him to be alone. So he made him a helper called Eve. Now I'm borrowing from, you know, the past four weeks. And he said, I'm going to make you a helper called Eve. And then Eve also started living in the garden with Adam. And it so happened that God had given them a clear instruction that they should not touch a certain tree or a certain fruit on that tree. And then the serpent came to, you know, Eve first. And uh, he said to Eve, did God really say that you must not eat of this fruit and she said, yeah, God said we shouldn't even touch it. She started adding her own stuff. And then he said, well, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you will become like him. So that's the reason he doesn't want you to eat. Wait a minute. They were already like God. The Bible says in Genesis 1.26 that they were made in the likeness and the image of God. Amen? So the enemy was tempting them on something that they already were. And Eve partook of the fruit. And nothing happened. You know why? (laughs) Because the instruction didn't go to Eve. And there is a concept called the concept of the uh, federal headship. Eve wasn't the boss in the garden. The boss was Adam. And, you know, the serpent knew that you can't just get to the man. The only way to get to the man is through a woman. (laughs) And it still hasn't changed. (laughs) So what happened? He said, man, you go and make your husband eat too. So she went and she said, Adam, why don't you eat this fruit? And Adam was like, wow, I'm going to eat it. So he ate and something happened when Adam ate of the fruit. What happened? He transferred his authority to Satan. The Bible says in Romans 6, 16, don't you know that uh, to whomever you offer your members to, in obedience, members of that particular authority will you become, or subjects, whether to uh, a sin unto death or to obedience unto righteousness. Amen? And the minute he did that, he lost his authority, and all, someone say all. All. All mankind became sinners after the order of Adam. Let's go now to Romans chapter number 5. Verse 14. Romans chapter number 5. Verse 14. Just hunt your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good today. It's going to be awesome. The Bible says in uh, Romans 5.14. Nevertheless death. Reigned from Adam. Notice it didn't say from Eve. Amen. We're going to deal with the issue. With the uh, concept of federal headship. Later on in the sermon. But I want you to pay attention to that. He says uh, and death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned. After the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure? Someone say figure. He says he is the figure of him that was to come. So Adam was supposed to represent Christ, but he became the fallen Adam. Amen? I said amen. And watch what he says in verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if... Through the offense of one man, many be dead. So if through the offense of Adam, all of us were born into the sin nature. Also through the obedience of one man, all of us can claim righteousness. See, you didn't have to do anything for you to become a sinner in the eyes of God. You were born through the sin nature of the disobedience of Adam. And this is why when Jesus Christ was born, he was not conceived through the seed of a man. Because if he had been conceived through the seed of a man, it would have disqualified him to become a savior or uh, 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 the one to redeem us. You know why? Because he would also have carried the sin nature. But God was smart. Someone say smart. (laughs) He conceived him through the, the, the Holy Ghost. And we call it the virgin birth. And you know what that meant? That meant Jesus Christ was not born after the seed of a man. So he did not carry the seed of Adam. And therefore he was not a sinful man. He did not have any sin nature on the inside of him. Watch what he says. Uh, verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned. Oh, did I skip something? Uh, Verse 15. For not as the offense so also is the free gift. But if For if through the offense of one in many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man who, Jesus the Christ, has abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is is of many offenses unto justification. Man, this is awesome. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace, talking about you now, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign. Did you see it? It says you and I receive the abundance of grace, and we can now reign in life by one Jesus the Christ. Therefore, as by one offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So it didn't have anything to do with you. So for you to think that righteousness is based on your moral and ethic behavior, it means you haven't caught this revelation. Because you were not a sinner because of your moral and ethic behavior to start with. You were just born a sinful man. And you needed Jesus' uh, redemption for you to partake of his righteousness. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. Let's go now to Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 15. So death entered into the world through this act of disobedience. Did you see it? Verse 17. It says death entered into the world when Adam sinned. What is death? Death is a separation of man and God. That's what death is. The Bible says Adam was given an instruction. If you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. When Adam ate, he didn't drop dead. Because death, the ultimate death, is when you are separated from God. Natural death is just a fruit of the real death. The real death is separation of man from God. In fact, that's what hurts the most about hell. It's not the fire. You know, growing up, I used to think the fire is going to be so hot, man, I don't want to go to hell because of the fire. No, what makes hell a hellish place is the separation of your soul from God. That's death. And it entered into the world by one man's sin. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 15. Now Jesus came to redeem us. And watch what he says. He says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without what? This is what qualified Jesus to be your saviour. It is that he was a sinless, someone say sinless, sinless. man, someone say man, Amen. see in the Old Testament what they could only do was cover the sin, or atone using blood sacrifices, you know animal uh, sacrifices, bloods, uh, bulls and bullocks, they were just covering or postponing, they were not completely dealing with the sin issue, you know why, because for you to be a, a, an adequate substitute, you have to match the person you are representing. You can't, you know, playing soccer, you can't take out a human being and put a goat. That's not a, that, that's not a substitute. Amen? And similarly, in the Old Testament, the, no animal could represent us. What they could only do was atone for the sins or cover the sins just for a year. Amen? Now, when Jesus came on the earth, why did he come? Why did he have to die? What happened? Let's go to Matthew, chapter number 27, verse 45. So Jesus said, to come, to stand in your place. Because God is just. Amen? Amen? No sin will go unpunished. So something had to be done. Hallelujah! Amen. God is just. You know, a lot of people think God has gone soft on sin. No, he hasn't. He's just. Amen. And the penalty was paid. Amen? Matthew, chapter number 27, verse 45. Thank you, Jesus. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabakatani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them stood, that stood there, when they heard that saying, this man, they thought this man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on his reed and gave to him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. They didn't understand what was going on. Just like my old church. Here's what we used to do every uh, Good Friday. We would gather around uh, what were called the seven words. And basically people would come to the seven words uh, wearing black. It was almost like a funeral service. Or at least a memorial service for Jesus dying on the cross. They didn't understand what was happening. They had no clue. See, that's why when you read the Bible, you have to be inspired. You have to have the Holy Spirit reveal things to you. You can't just read it like, a, you know, a literature book. You have to catch the revelation and the meaning of what's going on. Man, that day should have been a day of celebration. Amen? Man, we used to gather and read all the seven words that Jesus said, and people would cry and moan and say, man, why did they have to kill Jesus, man? Why they killed Jesus? Well, if they didn't kill Jesus, you would still be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? So here Jesus says, uh, 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 my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What, what, what had happened? Here's what had happened. Uh, John 19, verse 30. John 19, verse 30. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter number 19, verse 30. Watch what had happened. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said what? I'm sure you realize by this time I've already skipped. I'm already on the cross. You realize that, right? Jesus is a sinful man. He qualifies to be your substitute, and he had to go on the cross to pay for your sin. And while he was on the cross, he is on the cross, they nailed him to the cross, and he said these words, after he had just drank the, wine, the, the, the vinegar from uh, Matthew. Can you connect the two thoughts? And right after that, Jesus said, uh, it is finished. Someone say, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That phrase, it is finished, is in the Greek, tetelestai, which means paid in full. Now, for you to catch the revelation of what really transpired, Jesus is on the cross, and there was darkness in the whole earth from about 12 noon till about 3 p.m. And he's on the cross, and while he's on the cross and there was darkness, all of the sin, all of the punishment that was supposed to come to you All of the sin in the world, all of the poverty in the world, all of the condemnation, all of the sense of guilt and inferiority came into Jesus. The Bible says he bore all of our sicknesses. Physically, all those things went into his body. In agony, if you read in Isaiah, it says his countenance, his body changed and he didn't even look like a human while Jesus was paying the price. And after all those things had happened, he stood on the cross and he said, it is finished. In other words, the bill has been paid in full. In other words, God's wrath has now been appeased. In other words, you and I can walk out of the jail of condemnation. You and I can walk out of the jail of poverty. You and I can walk out of the jail of sickness. Why? Because Jesus has paid it all. Man, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 5, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes... We are healed. He paid the price for your healing. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin, where? On the cross. All of the sin in the world went on the inside of him. And he shouted, it is finished. In other words, paid in full. Man, you need to catch this revelation if you're going to take full advantage of what has been paid for you. See, my, my, one of my uh, favorite car uh, these days is the new Mercedes X-Class. You know the Bucky? The one that's just come out? Man, I love that car. Now, if uh, uh, Brother Lloyd went and, and paid uh, 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 for the car at Mercedes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and called me and said, yo, Pastor T, I've already paid for your car. All you need to do is to go and pick it up. How many of you know that I'll be foolish to stay at home? How many of you are tired of sickness? Well, let me tell you, Jesus has already paid for it. Hunch you never said it would be foolish not to take advantage of it? <laughs> How many of you know that Jesus has already paid for your prosperity? Yes. The Bible says he who was rich mm. became poor mm. so that you and I, through his poverty, might become what? Rich. He already paid for it. Man, all of the poverty that would torment the world went into his body on that day and he shouted, Paid in full. Amen. 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 What that means is God's wrath towards mankind has been appeased. God is no longer angry at you. He's not even in a bad mood about you. He's not even sulking. You know why? Because the thing was paid in full. Now what you need to do is to receive the payment. Yeah. Jesus said, "It's finished. Yeah. It is done. Yeah. First John, chapter number two, verse two talks about the propitiation of our sin. Let's go there. Let's go to First John chapter number two, verse two. Good. Someone shout, "It's finished. It's finished. Shout my payment, my payment has already been made. Already been made. Therefore, Therefore I, claim I claim my prosperity. My prosperity. Man, it's not being arrogant. It's already been paid. Listen, if I went to Mercedes and I said, "Hey, I have a receipt for my uh, Mercedes X-Class," how many of you know that is not being arrogant? It's just being reasonable. Oh, you know, he likes things too much. No, I don't. This guy has already been paid for me. All I'm doing is taking advantage of what's been paid for. See, a lot of people are fighting prosperity in the church. No, I'm not the one who paid for it. I'm not the guy you should be fighting. The guy you should be fighting is the one who made payment. And Jesus paid so that I could, I could be well off. So that I could be aight. Jesus paid for it. Now, if I don't take advantage of it, there's a thing in the world called double, double jeopardy. Have you ever heard of it? Where you pay for the same crime twice. Man, if you also want to suffer for Jesus, there are some people who also want to suffer for Jesus. Man, I just... <laughs> you don't have to suffer for Jesus. Jesus said in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, He who was rich became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus wouldn't be so kind if both of you are poor. Because it means the payment is not going to any use. Uh, Are you catching what I'm saying? Man, I'm telling you, he paid the price so that you don't have to pay it too. Uh Man, there's a place, you know, for suffering for Jesus. Like, you know, when I was in Cape Town, I was suffering for Jesus, man. They were making us take one-minute baths. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what are you doing? I'm just suffering for Jesus. (laughs) If you consider that, but no. He paid for all the poverty. He paid for all your sickness. He bore all the sickness into his body. He paid for all the sin. Man, you no longer have to be dominated by sin. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. He gave it to us as a gift. Someone shout righteousness. Righteousness. is a a gift. See, righteousness is not an act. This is where we've missed it. Righteousness is a gift. You could never attain righteousness even if you act the most holy you can ever act. You know why? Because you were born a sinner. Jesus is the only one that could deal with the sin nature. And this is the good news that I don't have to pay for my own sins. That's the good news, that's the gospel. Amen? Amen? Now, a lot of people come to me and they say, Hey, Pastor T, how come these days you don't preach sin? I was never commissioned to preach sin. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 16, verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the what? The gospel. The go- what is the gospel? The almost too good. To- there is nothing too good to be true about you. You sinners. You, you, you're going to burn. You You sinners. That's not what he commissioned me to do. He commissioned me to go and tell the sinners, hey, I don't know why you're still sinning because that dude has already paid the price so that you could no longer be dominated by sin. That's the good news. That dude on the cross already paid for all sickness. You no longer have to be sick. You can live in divine health. And if you trip up, there's something called divine healing, which is, which is a little lower than divine health. What Jesus paid for is divine health. And I remember when we did a DHT here at the church, a divine healing training, and uh, they came and taught us about healing and so on and so forth. And man, I was so fired up after that training. I went out and I was looking for sickness. Man, I was just so fired. I was like, man, flu, I dare you. Dare, I dare you to touch my body. Man, diarrhea, something, come on my body and I'll show you something. Man, I was so fired up. I wanted to use this knowledge on something. And then I found out there was a man who had not been sick for over 20 years. And I said, wait a minute, I don't have to get sick. I can tap into divine healing, divine health, which is higher than divine healing. Amen? And Jesus paid so that you and I could tap into divine health. He's already paid the cross. He said it is finished, paid in full. Now, if man, I'm getting all kinds of thoughts as I'm preaching. If if Brother Lloyd went and paid for the uh, Mercedes X class, who determines the value that he should pay? It's Mercedes X. You see, here's the problem. The church has been trying to determine the value. And this is where people get tripped up into condemnation because they feel like, you know, Jesus didn't do enough, so I must do some more. No, the dude already paid for everything and the extras. See, that's where you get tripped up into works because you feel like, man, I've got to do some more. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to fast. I've got to do something. I've got to cut myself. I've got to do something because the payment was not. Oh, no, the payment was enough. He said, "Paid in full. All you have to do is receive it. And when you receive it and catch the revelation, reading your Bible won't be a part of the payment, but a part of the benefit. Amen. And there is a difference." Come on! Oh, Shaka Zulu, man, this is some good stuff. Oh, man, this is some good stuff. Oh, this is some good stuff. Listen, when you cash the payment, you won't even have to uh, 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 tithe to try and make payment. No. Tithing becomes a part of the benefit of the payment. Man, tithing becomes the Bluetooth. It becomes the air conditioner instead of the payment. You see the difference? Man, I'm just enjoying. I'm just enjoying what Jesus has already paid for. Because it is finished. The man said, it is finished. And the Supreme Court of Heaven accepted the price as adequate. They looked at the price and they said they were satisfied that all mankind could now be liberated and could now be freed because of the price that Jesus paid. Amen? Where did I tell you to go? 1 John chapter number 2, verse 2. First John chapter number two, verse two. It says, and he, who might be he? Capital letter H. Jesus. He says he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. There's a concept he's dealing with here called the concept of atonement, which is different from redemption. See what happened when he said it was finished on the cross was redemption. And what happens now when he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven is called atonement. It is the covering. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. Thank God. He sees Jesus because of the propitiation of all our sins. When God looks at the world, he sees every saved, born-again believer as a little Jesus walking the earth. That's why when you talk about propitiation, you can say things like, I died with him, was buried with him, and now I'm raised with him, and now I'm sitting with him in heavenly places. It's the concept of atonement. Jesus covers you. Every part of you is covered in the blood. And when God looks at you, thank God he doesn't see you. You know, because sometimes you don't look cool. (laughs) I mean, you're not always pretty, right? (laughs) So he sees Jesus. Now watch what he says. Let's go back to Matthew. Oh, man. Three more minutes. Matthew, chapter number 27. Let's read on, verse 50. What happened? Matthew, chapter number 27, verse 50. Oh, man, this is good. So after Jesus said it was finished, watch what happened. Just look up. Look up and read here. Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. So after Jesus had said it was finished, he cried out and yielded up the ghost, consistent with what we read in Luke, right? Now watch what happened, next verse. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks rent immediately after Jesus said it was finished, paid in full. The veil was torn in twain. That just means the veil was torn in half. What is this veil? This veil protected God's dwelling place in the earth called the Holy of Holies. And God couldn't fellowship with you know, mortal man, he couldn't fellowship with sinful man, so he had to be in his own separate place in the earth realm, and we had to be outside of the holies of holies. Now, after Jesus had paid the price, the veil was torn. Now, here's what, what, what you need to catch: the veil was about twenty meters, you know, tall, and it was about ten centimeters thick. So this ain't no Mickey Mouse uh, lace thing that you have on your, on your, on your, on your window, <laughs> you know, on your curtains. This, is no, no, no. This is. This is about five two in ones, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> Them things were rent in half by the power and the, the, the conviction of the satisfaction of what God had done. Amen. Here's what happened. Has any of you ever flown uh, 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 economy? Anybody has ever flown economy? Just leave here. <laughs> anybody? Else, anybody else? It's like some of you are like, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't fly economy. I don't know, man. Have you ever noticed when you fly economy? when you get to a uh, cruising altitude, the air hostesses, you know, would get up, and then they come to the separation of first class and economy, and they shut the veil. <laughs> Have you ever noticed? Yeah. They shut the veil. And when they shut the veil, none of you cats in economy can see what's going on in, in first class. All you can do is imagine.
1: <laughs>
0: That's all you can do. All you can do is imagine. So I'm sitting there, man. I'm, I'm flying economy from uh, uh, Los Angeles to Doha. That's about 16 hours of sitting you know, in a small space like, man, if you don't believe in prosperity, we need to make you fly economy for 16 hours. Man, you'll be coming out of that plane, speaking in tongues. Lord, I trust your prosperity. I want to be in there. So 16 hours, I'm flying. The mistake I made is that as, as soon as I got on the plane, I took my sleeping pill. So when they came, you know the air hostesses, they came with the food, uh, I think it was about lunch, and I missed my lunch. And then when I woke up, uh, I, I reached out to Henry. Pastor Henry, he was there with me. I said, bro, I'm hungry. What's up with the food? He said, oh, ha, chief. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it.
1: <laughs>
0: they're already gone and I said man let me go and see if I can you know hustle some food so I went to the back and they would already packed up man you can't see anything they're already packed up there in their cabin they said man if you miss a meal that's it you're going to have to catch the next one doesn't that sound oh thank you Jesus doesn't that sound like the impotent man at the pool of Bethsheba? remember what his story was he was sitting there and he said, man, I've been sitting here 38 years. And I'm waiting for the next lunch. No, not lunch. The angels to come down and stir up the water. And when the angel comes down and stir up the water, we have a jump first, gets healed. And I have no one to throw me in, so I've been jumping in second. That's why I've been here, stuck, for 38 years. And Jesus looked at him and he said, look at me. Do I look like I am come from economy too? See, because here's the deal. If you want some help, don't look for someone who's also in economy. Because they're not going to be able to help you. They're at the same level. So Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm not bound by your seasons. I operate on a totally different time frame. I, I'm from the first class. So you know what Jesus did? He went back to the first class. I would imagine in the first class, there's a little button you can just press that says lunch. Just... (laughs) And then lunch pops out or lunch must come. Something must happen (laughs) when you want lunch. Amen? Amen. You don't have to wait for a season. This dude was saying, I've been sitting 38 years missing my seasons. And Jesus said, hey, listen, when I show up, you don't have to live your life based on those seasons. You know why? Because when Jesus shows up, It is the season. That was the problem with the fig tree. The Bible says the fig tree didn't have figs because it was not in the season of figs. But the problem was it didn't realize that the man who's above all seasons has showed up. And when Jesus has showed up, you don't have to wait for next year's stirring of the water for you to get healed. You can be healed right now. So I missed my lunch. You know, I'm sitting in economy. And what Jesus did is he came and tore the veil and told everybody who was in economy, oh, yes wait, it even gets more awesome. <laughs> you and I were not even on the plane. Hey, come on. It was the children of Israel who were in economy. Yeah. You and I were not even on the plane. That makes it even better. You know why? Because he took us from walking, from legs us. (laughs) (laughs) Just walking around. He took us from walking to Cape Town and put us on the plane, but not in economy. He said, now you can go in. Remember Hebrews 4.16? Let us, therefore, boldly. Someone say boldly. See, now you don't have to tiptoe trying to go into first class. No, he came, tore the veil, told everybody, now you can go into first class. Therefore, let us boldly go into the throne room of grace. Where we can obtain help when? In times of, not next year when the season is right. Now the seasons of God are not determined by the angel coming seasonally. No, they are determined by your need. He says, you and I can now walk into first class in times of need and partake of God's grace when you need it. The man didn't have to wait 38 years. Jesus is here. You can go in right now. You don't have to wait another week. Jesus is here. The veil was torn. Everybody, every substandard, every law class citizen can now go all the way into the throne room of grace where you can press a button when you need something. When you need healing, you can, man, activate your faith, press a button and receive it right now. Because Jesus has already paid for it. Man, that's good news. And here I have to say, a lot of people have not heard good news. See, because a lot of people are still waiting on the seasons of God. No, it's open season now. Uh, Someone shout today. Day. Is the day of, is day of salvation. That's all David is saying. He says, This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. We will listen. I don't have to, like the sons of Issachar, understand the seasons because it's open season. Yes. Uh, man, I'm preaching good. Yes. And this is good preaching. Have you ever heard, man, you need to understand the seasons and the times of God? No, no. it's now open season. You can walk right into the presence of God yes. in times of need. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 16. Whenever you need to, you can walk right into the presence of God in times of need. Why? Because he tore the veil. And you can go and sit as a first-class citizen. Now, some people like walking, and he's going to let them walk. Some people like economy. He's going to let them enjoy economy. But the price For you to go into first class, the price for an upgrade has already been paid. The separation between you and God has been removed. Now you can fellowship with God. Oh, no, not even that. God himself lives on the inside of you. Uh, Not only did he come out of the Holy of Holies. No, he came out of the Holy of Holies and now to fellowship with you and beyond that to live on the inside of you. No Old Testament uh, saint could ever imagine that. Because man, if you went into the presence of God and did something stupid, this is before the price was paid. You're out. But now that the price is paid, guess what? Not only can I go into the presence of God God is on the inside of me. Therefore, I can boldly declare, he who is on the inside of me is greater than he who is in the world. God lives in me. And it's not arrogance. I just happen to know the terms and conditions of the payment that was made. Someone shout, I am the righteousness of God.
1: I am the righteousness of God.
0: That's who you are. And it's a gift. And that's your starting point. What about the resurrection, Pastor T? So, you know, Jesus died. He's paid. This is why we say it's the power of the cross. Because the transaction took place on the cross. Amen? But the Bible says in Ephesians, chapter number 4, verse 18, The same one who ascended also descended first into the uttermost parts of the world. Let's read it. Uh, uh, Ephesians, chapter number 4, verse 8. Is this helping you? Man, you are a first-class citizen. When you activate your faith, you can receive prosperity when you need it. See, in first class, they don't have to wait for the air hostesses to bring stuff. No, no, no. They, they call it in. See, because if you wait in first class, you are working in a, 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 a reverse. See, before the new covenant... We were waiting on God. After the new covenant, God is waiting on us. Because by grace, God has already done everything he needs to do. By grace, God has already healed everybody he's ever going to heal. By grace, God has already prospered everybody he's ever prospered. He's waiting on you and me to respond to what he has already done by grace. So we're in first class. We're not waiting for a hostesses. We can call it in. The hostesses are waiting on us. I would imagine in first class, I think they are called waiters. Just waiting to wait on us. Because they don't force things down your throat. Over there in the economy, man, they force all kinds of stuff down your throat. All kinds of stuff. They don't even tell you what they're giving you. They just say, chicken or beef. <laughs> chicken or beef. And you know not to ask what kind of chicken. <laughs> With what you paid, you have the audacity to ask for something. Man, you know they're talking about you at the back. Like, that dude at 36C, who does he think he is? That dude is in economy. If he wants first-class treatment, he should have paid more. Someone shout, Jesus paid more. Jesus
1: paid more.
0: And I can take full advantage of what he paid for. Ephesians, chapter number 4, verse 8. Therefore, he said, when he ascended upon, up on high, he led captivity captive and gave uh, gifts unto man. Go back to verse 7. Verse 7? Seven, uh, verse 8. Verse 8. He's talking about Jesus. When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto man. He's talking about the Old Testament saints who had died in the will of God Pertaining to atonement. He's saying those cats were in a place called paradiso or captivity. And when Jesus defeated death and Satan, he led captivity captive. If you read your Bible, you know the Bible says all the graves were opened up the day that he was resurrected and dead men of old were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem and route to heaven. That's what he's talking about. He led captivity captive, him being the first fruit. They could not have entered heaven without him. He entered first and they entered after him. Now watch what happened. As he went to heaven, watch what he did. Next verse. Now the saying, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. Amen? Amen. So after he finished the work on the cross, he also ascended into the lower parts of the earth. To do what? Because the work is finished, right? There was still an authority, power issue that needed to be dealt with because Satan still had the keys. Y'all following me? Man, this is Bible school stuff, but I'll just preach it anyway. You can get the CD, play it again. He led captivity captive, and he had to deal now with the authority issue. And when he went in, he defeated Satan. How do we know that? Colossians 2.15. Give it to me. Watch what he did. He says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying Jesus defeated Satan and all the principalities. And not only that, here the Apostle Paul is borrowing from an old Roman tradition where they would go and defeat a nation and take the king, cut off his thumb, strip his clothes off, and parade him in the streets in their nation to let everyone know that there is no longer danger coming from this nation. We have dealt with him. And we've we've even cut off his thumb. You know what that means? That means he can no longer make any decrees that are enforceable. That means the curses that Satan tries to put on you, he doesn't have a thumb to enforce them. They are not enforceable. That means the sickness in your body is not enforceable. That means the curses in your family, they are not enforceable. Because that dude was defeated. And not only was he defeated, there was a parade where he walked down the streets naked for everyone to see. That he is a defeated fool. And if you know that he's a defeated foe, you won't waste your time fighting a defeated foe. Yeah. See, a lot of people have been trying to fight Satan. All kinds of prayer meetings. What are we doing? We're going to fight Satan. That dude, that dude lost. Amen. That dude has no power. That dude has no thumb. Man, and I did it. I did it. I went to those meetings, man, and we would talk to Satan. I realized, man, we were talking to Satan more than we were talking to God. Every other line was, you devil, you release my stuff. Man, that dude has (laughs) no... That dude was defeated. And if you read the verse before this, it says, even the handwriting that was against you, he blotted out. This is Jesus. So nothing is against you. Man, Jesus is for you. And if he be for you, who can be against you? Man, you need to catch the realities of being a new creation in Christ. Man, this is good stuff. See, a lot of people spend all their time fighting a defeated fall. He was defeated. And not only was he defeated, Jesus reclaimed the keys. Revelations 18. He took the keys. And you know what he did with the keys? He gave them to you. He says, now all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me, and he delegated it to you. He says, now you go and enforce this authority. Revelations 1.18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive evermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. He defeated Satan, man, on your behalf. Amen? Amen. And you need to realize that you have been given the keys. Yeah. Mm. You have authority over Satan. Mm-hmm. You are seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities. He yeah. yeah. didn't say principalities are above you, he says, there, You are far above all principalities. Mm-hmm. Someone shout, I'm far above all oh oh sickness. sickness. Shout, I'm far above all oh poverty. Oh Shout, i fire far above all condemnation. All condemnation. Shout, i fire far above, far above. Every, sense every sense of inferiority. Shout, there is therefore, there is therefore now, no now no condemnation. This is the mindset every born-again believer needs to carry as you walk around. When you go into the presence of God, Jesus has now dealt with all sense of inferiority, guilt, and shame. See, how many of you realize it's no use moving you to first class if you have a sense of inferiority? Have you ever seen people who have a sense of inferiority? Go, go, go. No, no, no. This is first class. This is first class. He says, therefore, let us walk in boldly. Someone say boldly. boldly. Without any sense of inferiority. Without any, oh, I, I can't touch. Can I touch that? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He says, now you can walk in boldly into the throne room of grace. And obtain help in times of need. Why? Because Jesus has already paid for it. I'm telling you, man, you need to realize that the price was way above the penalty. That's why it says, how much more shall grace abound? Yeah. How much more? It's always more than what the penalty was. Yeah. Why? Because Jesus shed his blood. Yeah. So there is therefore no longer a sin problem in the world. Because Jesus paid for it. And he reconciled himself to us. And you know what else he did? He gave you and me the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. Not the ministry of condemnation. Give me 2 Corinthians 5.18 as we close. Someone shout, I have the ministry, have the ministry of, reconciliation. of reconciliation. Watch what it says. And all things of God. In fact, let's start uh, in verse 17. So that you know he's talking, he's talking about you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a what? New creature. Behold, all things have passed away. Wait, 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 wait. If he's a new creature, that means a new identity. That means a new species of being that never existed before. That means... My identity has changed. My surname has changed from a Butai to a Christian. Amen. Oh man, that's awesome! You know what that means? That means I don't know. I, I no longer fall under the order of Mr. Butai Senior. I now fall under the order of Christ. And Christ has no generational curses to pass on to me. Amen. See, my lineage has changed. Yeah. See, a lot of people are still fighting in the natural. No, I'm a spirit being. I'm a Christian now. And the only thing I receive as an eternal heritage and in an its eternal her- inheritance from Jesus is blessings. Because I'm a new creature. This is why you won't see me dealing with any generational curses. Because I know my surname. Amen? I said amen. Amen. He says he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's talking about you. And he says in verse 18, And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Did you see it? And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So after God reconciled himself to us he turned it around and he said now you go and tell the world that i'm now open that they can now fellowship with me that i want a relationship with them that jesus has already paid for us to have a sweet fellowship go and tell them that because i also want to reconcile with them God wants to reconcile with your neighbor. He wants to reconcile with your brother. He wants to reconcile with your family. He wants to reconcile with your workmates. And the only way He's going to do it is by giving you the ministry of reconciliation so that you can start reconciling them to Him. Notice I didn't say the ministry of, re- of condemnation. See, because Christians are good at condemning. Look at what they do. Look at, man, that's never your ministry. Just kind of spying on people, and we call it the gift of discernment. We don't have a gift of, no, it's a gift of gossip.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what? My most did like, what do you have? I have a gift of discernment. No, it's a gift of
1: craziness.
0: That's just gossip. God didn't give you that ministry. The ministry He gave you is a ministry of reconciliation. Going into the world and telling them, hey, God is now open. some of you caught that (laughs) you're all welcome come on in god is now open god wants to embrace you that's your message and that's the gospel man here's where we get it twisted we think people that are sinning don't know they're sinning that's when we get it twisted we think okay it's my job to tell them you're a sinner no they know what they're doing they know that's not the ministry that Jesus gave you. The ministry he gave you is to tell them, hey, sin can no longer have dominion over you because Jesus has already paid the price. Why don't you stand? Was that good?